Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, live, radio contact. This week's Devon Detail Podcast. I'm Rob Parks, and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Joining me on the show this week, as ever, we have Paul Whiteside. Right, Paul? Hey, mate. Yeah, good. Different different setup this week. We're both in the same house. Yeah, we both sat together this week. Nice to see you, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to pick all the all little folks we have when I walk around the house making brews of tea while you're talking. Oh, yeah, get away with it this week. <laughs> also joining the show this week, we've got Daily Mirror Rugby League correspondent Gaz Walker. Right, Gaz? Good evening, gents. Thanks for coming on the show. No problem at all. Cool. Just got a couple of questions for you. Uh, to talking about Salford season so far, we're doing pretty well, aren't we? Yeah, you've definitely been. It's been one of the stories of the season, hasn't it? Especially for us guys. You know, I've been doing this now for you know best part of fifteen years, and we, we've written the same stories. A lot of the stories about Leeds and, and Wigan uh, and, and Warrington, even clubs like that. So to have a you know a, a relatively new club in terms of the Super League era come and be properly challenging for the top four and beating some of the top sides, along with Castleford as well. You know. It's given us a refreshing load of new stories to talk about. You know, Ian Watson himself, I think, is a terrific story. And I think it's brought an element of a breath of fresh air to the competition. Who are the players that have stood out for you most this season, Dad, for, for Salford? Oh, I mean, definitely Ben Murdoch Nassilla. I think almost every time I've seen him, I think he's been one of the most destructive forwards in the competition. Um, I, I can't see how he, he wouldn't possibly be named in the All-Stars team at the end of the year. Um, and, and he's been one of the biggest try-scoring threats for you guys as well. I mean, early on, I thought Gareth O'Brien was great as well. First maybe 10, 12 weeks of the season, he looked like Super League's almost most improved player. Um, and then at, at different times, you know, I still have a lot of time for guys like Craig Kopjack and George Griffin, who seem to put it in every week that I go there and perhaps don't get the, the headlines written as some of the others do. But I think guys like that are probably a, a lot of success that Salford have had this year have been built around their efforts yeah the big game's coming up this week uh, next week though uh, semi-final against the uh, Wigan Warriors Challenge Cup you know fans are getting excited about it it's a showpiece occasion for everyone absolutely and, and again that's a perfect example for us as journalists you know to, to throw a club like Salford in there and, and the prospect of going to Wembley for the first time in however many years it, it, it creates good stories for the game you know that historical element of it you know what it could possibly do for a club like Salford, and and despite the league positions, I'm sure that a lot of neutrals will, will have Wigan down as favourites, whether that's rightly or wrongly. And um, so I think there's a, a great story to be told, and I hope it is a good event on the day and a, and a terrific game. As an outsider and a journalist looking in, Gareth, where where do you stand on the whole Manchester Salford thing? You know, there's been a lot of rumours this season, you know, that the name's going to change, and a lot of Salford have been upset about that. Where where would you stand on that? to be honest I'm quite a traditional rugby league like myself I'm from Rochdale and you know against anything that if you mention the word merger or anything like that or, or clubs moving it's not for me And I, but more than that I just don't see how personally it would work I don't think you, you plump a, a club in Manchester and all of a sudden 5,000 people or more want to come and watch it 
it's built on more of that. You know, Salford's built on a rich history. And, you know, for me, the, the, the club seems to have been doing a lot of things right in trying to get fans back to the ground. But it, it won't happen overnight. That Even if you won Super League this year, it wouldn't magically bring everybody back to the club. And it's more of a long-term process. And for me, the strengths lie with building on the, the tradition and the history of the club, the fact that Salford... You know, it's, a, it's the premier sporting club in the city, playing at the very top level of its sport. I think you've got more to gain from, from focusing on that kind of thing than thinking that a move and a name change would magically, um, you know, bring X thousand fans through the gates. I don't think that would happen. Yeah, you, you're at the coal face when it comes to, you know, rugby league media. Do you, th- do you see it, you know, growing outside the bubble? Um, I hope so. That's what we all hope, isn't it? I think sometimes, especially us media guys, we we try and take that broader view. I mean, sometimes it gets us a bit of stick. I know a lot of us have kind of got behind the Toronto thing because something like that might take the game to a bigger audience. And, and to me, if you're, if you're a rugby league fella or a rugby league woman growing up, you, you want the sport. We all think it's the best game in the world. You want it to be seen by more people. Now, the only way that's realistically going to happen is, it, is if you have some cl- new clubs in new areas that are successful. Um, so I, I th- I'm all for that as well. While saying that I'm a traditionalist, I think if the clubs do it right and start at the bottom and, and build the foundations and come through, I'm all for that as well. But I don't see the benefit in, in moving historically strong clubs away from their areas. I think you can still have a strong Salford and a strong Castleford. Why shouldn't they be playing a strong Toronto as well for me? There's been a lot of talk about changes in, in 2018 to like the league structures again. It doesn't seem that long since we, we changed over to the Super 8s and Middle 8s. Just, just looking towards that. Where would you stand on that? What, what would be your preferred option? Would it be promotion, relegation, one up, one down, or would you stay with how it is now? There's, there's a lot of options there for the rugby footballers, considering that. There are, aren't there? I mean, I, I'm no great champion of this current system. I don't think it was the, you know, the end to all evils or the future of the sport. But I am a big promotion and relegation man. I don't think you should shut that that thing off with the top tier. Um, so for me, it was kind of a, it was always going to be a bridging thing towards something more permanent. Now, I think we do need to change it at some point, but I can't personally see how they can change it for next year now. I don't see how you could either have more teams in Super League or more teams in the Championship because I think it would just make a complete mockery of this season. I mean, how would you do it? Would you play the million-pound game and then say a week later, well, hang on, that doesn't count. You can both go into Super League. Or do you not relegate Bradford just because they feel that they're a strong enough club? I think you're in real danger of making a mockery of everything the game stands for if, if you change something after a season started. But I think if we're going to change and go to a new structure, you know, I probably would be for more of a simplified system where it was one up, one down, or you know, there was an easier way to decide promotion and relegation. I just can't see how they can do it for next year. I think we've got to decide fairly quickly what we're going to do for 2019, and everybody has to start 2018 knowing exactly where that season's going to lead to. Yeah, you did a, an article uh, with the Super League referees. It was great uh, to read and a little video as well uh, to go with that, uh, Gaz. You know, it was quite a good insight into the you know the world, the ways of a, a Super League referee. Yeah, I had, I had a great day with them. You know, and whatever people think about about Super League referees, they, these are guys that that genuinely care about rugby league um, and they're passionate about the sport doing well as well. Otherwise, why would you do it and, and kind of cop some of the abuse that they do do? Um, it was a really good insight for me, just a really basic thing like they had me running around track doing this interval training. Um, I'm a fairly regular runner, but these guys were leaving me well behind and then trying to retain just a basic piece of information like what the tackle count was that they told you to remember or the penalty count. It, it just kind of gives you a tiny glimpse into what they must have to do making a decision every, what is it, five five seconds probably. 
while we're under fatigue and, and trying to keep up with full-time players. So it, it did make me a bit more sympathetic towards them. I know there's been a lot of criticism of refs, and, and I think they themselves know that there are things they can do better. Um, but it's not an easy job, and I wouldn't want to be a referee for one, especially after doing that day. I think the, the speed of the game now as well, guys, it's so fast, and I mean... I know referees coming for a lot of stick and I always try and not, not to, to give referees stick if I can do you know, in the reporting and I know Rob does as well we try and be as fair as we can with them but the, the game is so quick now in Australia obviously they've got the two referees do you think that's something that should be looked at in, in Super League and in this country? Yeah I think it is and I think they are we did a, a question and answer with Steve uh, Ganson on Mirror Online a, a couple of months ago as well and we asked him that and he said yes we are looking into it it probably wouldn't be immediate um, they would need to do quite a lot more recruitment for that which is, um, I guess, where the, the whole abuse of referees thing comes in. That becomes harder the more abuse and criticism there is of young officials. You know, we need to get more of them if we want to move to two refs. So I think that would help. You know, like you said, it's such a quick game and there's so much going on. Um, having having an extra pair of eyes on the field would help. Um, the slightly difficult thing with it would be, I, I don't think they could probably do it beyond Super League. So you would then have games being refereed differently in, in Super League and Championship, just because I don't think they'd be able to have the manpower overnight to do that. Um, so whether that's a factor, I'm not sure. But I'd be very interested if, if we could do some kind of trial over here and, and see if that altered people's kind of opinions of how the game's refereed. Cheers for that, guys. What have we on the show this week, Paul? Yeah, on the show this week, we've got a review of the Castleford game. We've got Ian Watson in Coach's Corner. We've got Daniel Murray and Robert Lewis speaking to them. We've got the amateur report, and we've also got a preview of Friday night's fixture away to Lee Centurion. Cool, so all we'll do, we'll uh, look back at the Castleford defeat on Friday night. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your Big Match Review. So, so for Red Devils, travelled to Casper Tigers on Friday, Paul, and went down 38 points to 14. You know, Casper Tigers, top of the league, away from home. Bit of a difficult game for Salford. Yeah, it was a tough night, Rob. You know, um, Casper were unbeaten at home in the season. They played 10 games at home and won all of them. And we, we got close. I thought the game flat, the scoreline flattered Castleford. I thought there were staging patches in the game where we, we looked like we were going to come up with something. We got it back to 18 10 and Jake Bibby went over in the corner and was unlucky not to score denied by the video referee. Niall Levels had a try charts off by the video referee as well. So we didn't get the calls on the back of a 12-4 penalty count as well, which which didn't help. And one thing I noticed is it's a very, very short pitch at Castle, a very short pitch. And um, Luke Gale, Paul McShane came up with 40-20s and a lot of Castleford's tries came on the back of penalties and you know and just ploughing us down the down the field. But there was positives to take out of the game. I thought Ryan Lannan, Jake Bibby were excellent, young Daniel Murray and, and Jordan Warren. All did well for us, you know, standing in for, for senior players who were out injured. So there was a lot of positives to take for the game. It was a much improved performance on the, the previous weekend's lead. Yeah, a lot of um, injuries for Salford Paul, but we had a we had a good side out. Yeah, we certainly did. Salford lined up with Gareth O'Brien, Jay Bibby, Chris Wellham, Josh Jones, Nia Levels. Todd Carney came in at half back with Michael Dobson. George Griffin, Logan Tompkins and Daniel Murray in the front row. Ben Murdoch, Masilla, Ryan Lannan and Wella Haraki was at loose forward. On the bench for Salford was Robert Lewis, Jordan Warren, Lama Tazi and Ozzy Krasniki. Yeah, Casper uh, up the scoring try by Greg Egan in the corner. Uh, early doors, Paul. Not the best start for Salford. No, it wasn't. And uh, speaking to, to Watto after the game, he, he sort of said we got found out on the edges a few times. You know, we numbered up wrong there and, and Niall Levels was exposed. And I know Niall came in for quite a bit of flack on, on social media and, and, and what have you. But I don't know. I think, that, like, like Ian said, we got the numbers wrong there. And it was poor centre play as well, you know, from Josh Jones, Chris Well, and we didn't number up right. And. Uh, if you do that against Castleford, you get found out because you've got so much pace out wide and Greg Eden scored so many tries this season but I think a lot of that goes down to Michael Shenton as well, the centre. He's, he's a good good centre and 
you know, I think I could have played on the wing there for Castle and scored an asset with him. Big Jimmy the Paul. <laughs> yeah, big, big statements that, Paul. Big statements. Um, Gaz O'Brien got over for Salford, though. Good work by Dobson to send him over. Obviously, nine levels on the wing. Gaz O'Brien at fullback. That's where uh, Watto's decided he's going to play at the moment. Yeah, that's what what Watto's come up with. Uh, I, th I think Niall's more dangerous at fullback. I really do. But then, obviously, where do you, where do you put Gareth O'Brien in the side? But yeah, it was a good try from that. It was a good dummy that, and uh, Gareth O'Brien got over there and uh, four apiece. We were back in the game. Yeah, unfortunately for Salford, Ben Roberts scored for Castleford. Salford's defence was a bit fractured on that try, Paul. And uh, you know, Ben Roberts made a made a big difference. Every time Castleford got the ball in the Salford twenty, I feared they were, they were going to do some damage because of that sort of side. They play really quick, quick play the ball. They've got some dangerous players. They've got, they, looking at the pack, I thought we, we could match them in the pack. It was the outside backs and obviously Roberts and, and Gale at halfback where I thought we were going to struggle. But they moved the ball really quick and yeah, we, we had some, some poor defending there. I think they scored a try from a set scrum which was poor and uh, and yeah, we was on the back foot for, for a lot of that first half. Casper had, had all the territory, had all the possession as well. He really started his possession in that first half. And I thought going in at 18-10, I thought damage limitation. We've done all right. We're still in the game. Yeah, Gazzy, uh, Eden went over uh, in the corner. Uh, Paul and Shorty for them. But you know, I suppose mixed Casford's uh, team a bit. That it's going to be a big loss for them. It certainly is. And you know, I don't like wishing injuries for anybody. But I think Casford have been lucky this season. They've kept the spine on that side. They've not really had any injuries to, to, to speak of. You know, of any significance. And Greg Eden's going to be out for the season. I believe, and he'll be a big miss for them. He scored a lot of tries for them. I think he scored about thirty odd tries this season. And, uh, yeah, I think he's got Michael Shenton to, to thank for a lot of those tries but yeah it'll be a big mission and that's un unfortunate for Castleford uh, unfortunate for Greg as well he'll probably be in the international recognition at the end of the season yeah and obviously Salford hit back a try by uh, Chris Wellham good work by Rob Lewis finding him through the uh, the gap yeah I thought Robert Lewis looked dangerous at the hooker when he came on he got that, that dancing sort of step that he does and he put Chris Wellham through there through, through a gap and uh, yeah it got me excited that try I was jumping up and down there and we were, we were back in the game there and there was a spell there you know, in that uh, sort of when Wellen went over that sort of ten minutes before half time, we sort of got on top there and got back in the game. And uh, yeah, eighteen ten at half time, the the game was there for us really. Yeah, second half started, so we were still on top. Uh, Bibby had a try just loud in the corner, trying to switch hands. Bory dives over in the corner to score. Crucial moment in the game, that. I thought it was crucial. That I thought if we could have got that score there, eighteen sixteen. I wouldn't say Cass were rocking, but you know we we've come back into the game there, and there was a bit. There could have been seeds of doubts in the mind there, and obviously a couple of minutes later, Joe, substitute Joel Manoran went over for Castleford, and that pushed them out to a twenty four ten lead, and we was again we was at arm's length again there. Then. Yeah, unfortunately, Castleford Tigers then again scored with heartache or flowing move by them, and Salford just unpicked, weren't they? It certainly was, and there was a bit of a melee in the background there. I think Ben Murdoch-Vasilla was a late challenge on Luke Gale. There was a bit of fisticuffs and whatever, and a blink of an eye, Zach Ardaker was down the other end and scored, and I think that, that try sort of put the game to bed there. I mean, I was thinking at the time, perhaps we could do a St. Helens sort of comeback and, uh, you know, keeping me on the scoreboard, but I think it was just a bit too much from us then. But that's the sort of strike players Castleford have got. You know, people like Zach Ardaker, they, they can score tries from all over the place, and, uh, yeah, the tour is a part of it there. Yeah, but Salford tried to get back in it, a try. Jake Bibby in the corner, Paul. Obviously, you know, good footwork there uh, to get over. Yeah, it certainly was. And give Jake a lot of credit. He's come on this season. He's come on leaps and bounds this season. And I'm really delighted to see him in the side. I do fear for him a bit now with uh, Manu Vatavai coming in. I hope he's not overlooked because he's, he's a good up-and-coming young player, Jake. And he's only got to look at the metres that he makes, the carries that he makes. We'll probably talk about the stats shortly. And Jake Bibby's up there in the top of those, some of those stats. And then crucially, just after that, Nia Levels had a try chalked off by the video referee and I thought that was another crucial decision with 20 minutes to go there that could have been 30-20 a 10 point you know, deficit there and who knows what might have happened and 
the video referee was called upon and the on-field decision was a try and it's not very often that the video referee overrules the decision and I, I thought it was um, a loose carry by the Castleford man and Chris Wellham wasn't looking at the ball, the ball was dislodged and obviously the video referee saw it the other way and I thought it was very unlucky with that. Yeah, the referee, video referee and the referee decided in the end that the uh, sole player held the Castleford player back uh, but it happens a lot when you get you know people drop the ball, the player just dives on the nearest player to him and you know if that happens every week you're going to get tried to fly left right and centre. Yeah certainly, I, I was disappointed with Phil Bentham, I think Phil's been a good referee this season, he's, he's lets the game flow, he doesn't normally give huge penalty counts but the penalty count was 12-4 to Castleford and one of them for us was in the last second so 12-3 there the, the last minute to go so how are we 12 penalties to 3 worse off than Castleford and you know Ian Watson alluded to it in, his, in the press conference saying that you know referee wasn't shouting held and certain things like that and I think perhaps this is where Richard Silver's got to earn his money now we've got him working you know with having him there that should be a benefit to us and we shouldn't be conceding these amount of penalties the same against Leeds I think it was on the end of a harsh amount of penalties so that's something that Ian will be working on and training I'm sure we will be coaching a lot of the penalties though Paul were all like holding down to play the ball weren't they if you get him kind of mixed up in tackles some penalties you just get bought don't they you get caught on the wrong side or whatever and you know you can't really hoping Silverwood can kind of like coach that can he really I think when you go to grounds like Catsford at Weldon Road you've got the crowd on top of you and I think it's very hard I don't think I've ever seen Salford win a penalty count at a ground like that and it's, it's, very good. it's not something I always look at really I just I took some stats on the, on Friday and I actually kept, kept the, the penalty count and I, I thought it was interesting but but yeah you don't seem to get the decisions when you go to grounds like Albert so the crowd sort of give a lot of the decisions and that's what we've got to do at Salford in our home games I think get behind get behind them and, and shout forward whenever we can but uh, but I'm not blaming the referee for Friday night, I thought the best side won, but uh, I did think the scoreline flattered Castleford though, to be honest with you. Yeah, tried the death for Castleford, made the score 38 points to 14. You spoke to Rob Lewitt and Murray at the end of the game, and this is what they had to say. But Lewis joining me after that defeat, it was a tough one to, to tonight, wasn't it for you guys? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, cast out top of the table for not for for Frampton, you know. They they play good uh, footy, but we just I thought our forwards turned up, you know. But you know, it takes a whole um, squad to beat them. How did you find it playing at hooker? Uh, you enjoy it? Yeah, I, I did. I did enjoy it there. You know, it's always easy having big llama. And like all the boys outside me, makes the fence easier. But you know, um, I like I like in the house. You know, that's where I've been playing all year. But I had to do a job and thought I went alright. I thought the scoreline flattered Castleford in many ways because there was there were stages in that game where we looked like we was coming back into it, especially when it got to eighteen ten and you sort of set that tray up for Chris Wellham there. And uh, you know, we, we was asking a lot of questions there, weren't we? Yeah, I felt we were coming back and um, silly errors, mistake. You know, a lot of penalties. Yeah, as well, a lot of penalties. It? I think the penalty count was like fourteen or four, but. That's always going to happen here or at any home game. It's going to happen, but other than that, um, we let ourselves down, you know. If Bibby would have scored that, it would have been a different ball game, you know. But, you know, we'll learn from it. Um, Defensively, I thought we were better in patches, but um, like I said, just um, look forward to... um, Got Lee. Um, we finished finish the regular season off. What's the mood with the boys? Because you've got a big game against Lee next week, and that that game next week, obviously, you're all going to be playing to, for that place in the semi-final. Like, so you, there's a lot of big games to come. So there's still a real pivotal part of the season. Lots it of is. games to be played, and lots of excitement there for you guys. It is. People may think we're in the slump, but that means nothing. Um, we know we know what what we got to work on. And like I said before, if if the edges and that are not on, and the, and the forwards are. We're not going to win games. Um, we all have to be on. It takes 
personally, you know, you got to prepare well. And but we had a good week. We had a good week. And a bit disappointed with the loss. But um, a couple on the chin and train, train hard. And, you know, Lee's going to be tough, you know, especially at their, yeah. especially at their home after last year when they beat us there. So um, we're going to have to go in, you know. Bit of a bit of energy, you know. Get that get that fun back where we play good expanded footy. Yeah, I think once you get back on that roll again and, and get that confidence. I mean, we saw it in the in the season, middle of the season. Then we won back to back games. I mean, I don't think the confidence has gone completely from you. And you seem you still seem upbeat. And there's there's plenty of opportunities for you to get things right. Got a cup semi final, and that's 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 going to be a massive yeah, game. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, that's two weeks from now, but we still got we got to we got to prepare well for it and. We've got to play good against Lee. You know, we can't we can't go in the cup final, a couple of losses. We've got to go, you know, bit of um, you know, playing good footy, backing ourselves. Or, um, I thought our young boys went good. I thought this, you know, first game starting. I think he was front, great. Oh, he was good. He was really good. well. He, he led front, led led from in front, and then Lennon on Lennon, Lennon started back row. I thought he went good. And uh, other than that, you know, a bit disappointing, but we'll, we'll couple them chin. We'll get to play them again, so that's a, that's a good thing. That, that, I, I was just thinking that's the, that's a perfect thing. When once you go into that super eights, hopefully we can get some of the injured players back. We've still got a lot, a lot of opportunities to turn this season round and, and keep it going because it has been a great season up to now. Yeah, it has, it has been a great season, um, but we don't want to stop there. You know, we want to keep going. Um, I think we can go all the way in the cup and in the normal, you know, in the eights. Um, but it's going to be down to individually preparing well. You know, doing a video and little stuff like that. And come game day, we're just going to be on. Well, thanks a lot for speaking to me no, tonight, all good. Robert. All good. And I'll see you next week, mate. Thank you. Right, I'm delighted to say I've been joined by Daniel Murray. First time I've got to speak to you this season, mate. It is, yeah. You enjoyed that today? You got a good, yeah, good bit of game time in? Yeah, I loved it. I loved starting and all. And when I've been at Halifax, credit to them and Bradford earlier in the year, I've started for them and I've gone really well for them. So I enjoyed starting. I prefer to start, to be honest, so I can find my, find my rhythm into the game. But just the result weren't what we wanted, unfortunately. How tough was it out there? Like, I mean, they're oh, a tough was, side. It was great tough, there. yeah. Very elusive side and... They, they like to win everything and they, if you put them on your back they take it personally which is what a winning team do so credit to Castleford it's just obviously we've got things to work on and we'll come back in the Super 8s I think it was a funny sort of game really wasn't it I mean the scoreline sort of flatters them really yeah. we, we were in that game weren't no. we for long, for long spells but a couple of penalties and decisions went yeah. against us a big penalty count yeah. but you came up with a, a try saving tackle there yeah. in the first half can you remember much about that because uh, it was well, a ball and a half tackle in the first half yeah I think it was in the first half down, down this end here I think oh, it was Watch it back on Sky so now. I will. I've it, got it. But... My dad's recorded it for me. Yeah, but it was a, good, it was a great display from yourself. Then you must be. You must feel that like proud of just... getting into the side. And yeah, I'm, I'm proud. Of, you know, it's all I want to do. Really, play rugby, and it's, it's great to get on that next next run of the ladder and get get noticed and just. Just kick on from now. Obviously, get regular game time is yeah. the next goal. I don't think you need to be too disheartened with it today. I mean, Ian's yeah. just said that we'll in the press positives. conference. Yeah, there's definitely positives. You know, there's there's a lot long way to go. Yeah, there's a lot of big games to yeah. go this season. That's what he, that's what Watto said. He said we're gonna we're gonna hopefully face Cass again because yeah. we know what they're about so we'll sometimes defeats like this can make you come back yeah, stronger exactly. can't you? you've got a big game next week against Lee and then that's better happening now than in, in big games like that that's so. right that's yeah. right well hopefully you'll get back in the side again next hopefully week hopefully we'll see that's the game congratulations we'll do some good, this week congratulations on a good performance today and thanks for speaking to Devil in the Detail yeah, thank you thank you mate see you later so that was Daniel Murray and Rob Louie after the game Paul and both you know seem you know pretty disappointed about the game yeah, I think Daniel Murray was very excited though with his performance and he was excited to be in the first team. I think Daniel's worked really hard this season. He's had to go on loan at Halifax and do registration with them and he's spent a bit of time on loan at Bradford. 
one thing that smacks me with Daniel he's got a fantastic attitude he, as a young player coming in he, he knows he's got to work to get into the side he's always in the same mood lovely bloke to chat to and from what I've seen of him I think he's going to go really far in the game he's got the potential to be a, a cracking prop forward he's got all the attributes he's a good defender he lands on his front but, but the one thing is his attitude as well he's second to none and I think he's going to go speak to him this season with I've spoke to him a few times, like you know, I spoke to him at the start of the season. Uh, we've had a chat off off mic, haven't we, at, at Salford, and he's come speaking to us, and we've just been waiting for him to play. And we're delighted for him. He came up with a great try-saving tackle, and as he said there in his interview, his dad takes it, and I hope he enjoyed watching it back. Yeah, not the, not the score line, but obviously, full of enthusiasm for me. And that, and obviously, you know, that's what it's all about. When you when you wear a red shirt, you know, that's what those fans want to see. You want to see players, you know, full of commitment, full of passion, and full of pride. And you know, Dan Murray, you, you saw that on Friday. Yeah, and he's come through. He's not come through our academy, obviously, he's come through Warrington, but. He's signed for Salford as a 20-year-old lad, and if we can hang on to him now and watch him blossom, I mean, you look at prop forwards, I mean, great prop forwards in the past, they probably don't sort of mature till they're like late 20s, early 30s, and if we can get 10 years out of Daniel now at, at Salford, you know, that would be great, and just to, just to see him progress, because, like I said, I'm excited when, when you watch him play, because I just think he's got something that, you know, sort of comparing to, remember Cliff Eccles? Yeah. He reminds me a bit of him, yeah. he was the same, no nonsense, I mean, obviously Cliff was a bit older when we had him, and, but... He's it's the same sort of mould and uh, yeah, I think he'd be half his player I and mean, he'd be a top player, wouldn't he? Cliff was a great player for us over the years. So so yeah, I'm really excited to see his progress and speaking to Robert Louis as well, uh, I had to wait for him to finish his pizza before I could speak to him. I've noticed this this season, it's like pizzas every week now. The players just seem to have a pizza every week. I think Gareth Carvel drives out and buys and, <laughs> and brings them in, so I was waiting they're all stood around the bus, so I was waiting to speak to him, but Robert's a great guy, he always has the time for us, doesn't he? And he's always in the same mood and it was refreshing to speak to him actually because he wasn't too down out he was looking forward to the semi-final and that's one thing I tried to, to get into the players when I spoke to Andy on, on Friday night was just to keep it positive because you know Casper might have won that battle but they've not won the war yet no obviously I think it's all about refueling Paul I think we, we had a few beers and a bit of pizza after anyway so after every game so why can't they uh, obviously looking forward Louis uh, Hooker you know did okay yeah and the, the surprising thing for me, the, the good thing, was um, seeing Chris Bryan on Friday night. He didn't have a boot on, he didn't have the crutches, because when we saw him walk out the week before against Leeds, he looked in a bad way, didn't he? He looked really down, he had two crutches on either arm, and one of those big protective boots on. But I think a lot of the time now it's for precaution, and I saw him walking around the side of the pitch at the game, along with uh, Mark Flanagan and Craig Kopjet. You know, reading between the lines, I don't think these guys are far off fitness. Is he an holding him back for the, for the semi-final? I'm not too sure. I asked Ian in the press conference about the injuries and he gave me the cold shoulder, but I know where Ian's coming from. Ian doesn't like to give away give away things and I think that's that's the main thing and I, I'm perfectly alright with that if he wants to hold that back and that, that's great. But I, you know, as far as the fans that want to know, don't they I suppose and uh, I think you just have to watch this space but I think there'll be a few people in that nineteen man squad who we perhaps not expect him. I think Adam Warren's near fitness, I spoke to him on, on Friday night, I think he's he's shortly on the back and we've missed him as well, haven't we? Just going back to what we were saying before about the younger players. You know, we're missing Lee Mossert, Clay Copjack, Adam Warren, Mark Flanagan. That's a big hole out of our pack at the moment, and you can see that. I thought we saw that in, on Friday night. I saw we saw it the week before against Leeds as well. Those holes have been there in the in the centre of the field. But having said that, I didn't think Cass Buster was down the middle. It was out wide where the damage was done. Yeah, if you're from Wigan, the message is they're all in old hospital. They're all in beds. No chance for next two weeks. Not never. Not in a million world. Not in a million years. 
Um, so obviously you spoke to uh, Ian Watson after the game against Castleford Paul and this is what he had to say. Ian Watson joining me after that, another defeat here, but there was a lot of spirit there, wasn't there, from the guys tonight? Yeah, I thought our middles were really good, to be fair. I thought they got stuck in and um, worked really hard defensively as a team and carried the ball strongly. I just thought our uh, right defence kind of let us down today and um, our numbering up was a little bit poor on that and wasn't able to get forward and shut some of the plays down. Early in that first half, I thought we got caught out a few times, didn't we, out on the wing there, Nile? They've got a lot of pace out wide, cast. It's, it's hard to defend that. Yeah, they have, but if you're getting your numbers wrong, you're not really giving Nile a chance as well, and that's what we did today. We got our numbers wrong a few times, which um, the wide pass to Millington kind of really causes a problem on the back end of that, and if you're outnumbered, you're struggling, you've got to be um, all the best with your defending. You've just got to get up and try and shut, shut it down, and to be fair, the writers tried to do that, but they were obviously wasn't a match for him. It was a funny game 38-14 but there was, there was patches in that game where we looked like we were going to do a St. Helens like they did to us you know starting back into the game there was, there was chances Yeah there, I think that? the big turning point was um, kind of the Jake Bibby try in the, in the corner if that had, we'd have converted that into a try that might yeah. have put a different standing because I just felt we were just getting a little bit of impetus there and we were getting on our front foot um, and then to come down the other end and concede didn't help us and obviously there's little bits of discipline in there which we will fix up Yeah, I don't like slagging off referees and I know you don't and you don't like getting in trouble but another big penalty count 12-3 I think it was until the last minute and yeah. surely I mean our discipline wasn't that bad yeah, I, no, I didn't I think, think well, we've ended up having a penalty there for Chris Wellham apparently pulling him back when he's making a tackle yeah. um, and then he spilt the ball and Niall scored for me for me, it's a try the referees ruled it as a try straight away <laughs> It's tough to say. I've not seen them being overruled for a long time on Sky, but I seem to get overruled. Um, but look, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's about making sure we we come out of this spell better than what we were before we went in it. And especially with all the young guys getting experience at the moment, we'll be better for this as well. And there's a process to get to where we, we, we want to get to, and we know that as well. Castle would have been on that process for about eight years now of kind of getting into the eights and trying to then get into the fours as well. Um, it's for us to kind of keep learning from these experience and make us stronger as a team and as a club I think there's a lot of positives you can take out of the game I was just saying before how well Daniel Murray played I think he came up with a fantastic tackle in that first half a real try saving tackle Jordan Wong came back in as well you must be pleased with them guys the way they yeah. the way they stood up tonight yeah look the, the guys coming in you, uh, young Daniel Murray somebody like him pleases you coming in because obviously you've lost Craig Kopjak as he's well he's got a good attitude Daniel yeah. as well he, well he works hard for the group and works hard for the team and he's waited for his opportunity he's a young kid and he's, he's only been playing against blokes for probably Probably a year. Probably he's only been playing against blokes well. So to come in against Castleford, at Castleford, and put in a kind of a performance like he did, is all credit to him as well. And he'll tell you he's got a few errors there that he's had in his game as well. But that'll be a great experience from a great learning um, learning point from him. The big thing for us now is kind of regroup. So we've been playing every single week up through the season, so we need to regroup, freshen up a little bit, and then get going forward um, to these Super Eights and to the semi-final of the Challenge Cup. How big is that league game for you guys next week? Because you obviously want to hit that Wigan game on the back of a win, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you want to win every game you're playing, so it's every, every game's kind of a big game as well. But like we say, there's always a process to get where you get to. We know what we, where we, what we want to achieve and where we want to do it. Um, some people can say, "Oh, yeah, we're happy with achieving your kind of your top eight and being involved in the Super Eights this year and being in the semi-final of the cup." But you always want more once you once you see it there as well. But we do understand there's a process. We're going through it now with some of our young guys getting the experience, which will make us better and it will make us stronger as a club going forward as well. Not just for in the Super Eights, but for next year as well. The kind of experience the young kids are getting now is um, second to none, really. There's an awful lot of big games to go this season. Yeah, massive, like, yeah, no, and that's that's kind of our focus. So with the young guys here getting the 
experience now that will make our squad better, our squad stronger. So when we do come into these Super 8s, we're in a real good position as well. Obviously get a couple of more guys back as well, a bit more of the experienced ones, because that's just what we seem to be lacking, a little bit more of the experienced kind of guys at the moment as well, which make a big deal for you when you're playing in big games like that. Well, thanks for speaking to me tonight, Ian, and best of luck next week, mate. No problem, yes. So, that was Ian Watson after the game against Casper Paul, and, you know, he was a bit disappointed. He was a bit disappointed. I think he was a lot more upbeat than he was the week before against Leeds. Um, he knows there's, there's still some big games in the season. There's a lot of big battles still ahead. There's a lot to look forward to. So I don't think he's going to be too disheartened with that performance at Casper. Let's have it right. Casper have blown a lot of teams away this season. They're well up there in the table, well above everybody else. And uh, oh, I thought we gave a good account of ourselves. Considering I know Casper had injuries as well, but uh, but yeah, he was upbeat. And I think he was disappointed, but I think he's upbeat. Looking forward to Lee on Friday. Suppose it's all about uh, game management. Well, squad management for him now obviously with these two games to come big fortnight for Salford Red Devils he needs to make sure that squad's kind of fresh and ready I know they've had a couple more days off than they normally have haven't they so plenty of opportunity to you know recharge the batteries yeah well that was something that Ian was alluding to I mean this season we've not really had a break have we because we've got to the Challenge Cup semi-final so some sides we've got knocked out and a couple have had that week off whereas we haven't we've played nearly every well every single week haven't we so uh, that takes its toll on the, on the lads and that's the same for every side but We've not got the biggest squad in Super League. I mean, you've only got to compare us to League. I think they've got a miles bigger squad than we have, and look where, where they're in the table. So, to be sat third in the table, if we beat Lee on Friday, we're going to finish third in the regular season. I think that you can be very, very proud of that, I think. Yeah, obviously, looking at the stats, Paul, you've got a few there uh, from the game on Friday. Anything standing out for you? Yeah, Jake Bibby, for me, he was uh, top carrying, uh, top carriage with 18. He was top meter make with 117. Nia Level was also up there with 109 metres made and eight carries. Uh, Chris Wellham 12 carries Josh Jones 11 carries the top tacklers we've got Wella Haraki got 46 Ryan Lannan I thought Ryan Lannan worked really hard 45 tackles there he's another player who's really coming of age this season uh, Daniel Murray with 30 tackles Daniel put a really big shift in I'm really pleased with Daniel and how he started the game very impressed with him George Griffin Logan Tompkins 33 and 35 tackles Michael Dobson 30 tackles so there's a lot of, a lot of effort there in defence like I said before our, our middles were good uh, it was just the, the outside the backs really really struggled and that's where Taft got the point yeah, I suppose it's a matter of the, the, the team building on that. Obviously, defeated Casper, you can't be ashamed of that. Surely, you know, you'll move on from that and go into the league game and the semi-final to come, you know, looking to you know get better and, and improve. Yeah, I think the season's going to get tough, though, Rob. You know, going into the, the Super 8s now, we're going to be playing Casper again. We're going to play Leeds again, Saints, Wigan. And it's very close now, as we were speaking to, to Gareth before, when we were saying how, how close the league is with Wigan and St. Helens coming up on the rails now and they seem to save themselves for this time of the season, don't they? So we're going to have some tough away games in that Super 8. We're going to have four home games. It's important to win those home games, but I think there's exciting times. We've got a semi-final and we've got playoff rugby then all the way to the, to the top four, hopefully. Yeah, big thanks for your big three-word match report from Man of the Matches from our listeners. Colin Reynolds, 13-4 penalty count uh, and his Man of the Matches officials. We talked about the referee, you know, penalty counts, the penalty counts. Can't really... It was disappointing, Rob. Mm. I thought it was disappointing. I thought there were some strange decisions made by the video referee, but we've got to move on from that. But I know where Colin's coming from. I was disappointed with the referee performance on, on Friday, especially when I knew it was Phil Benton, the referee. I was quite excited when I knew it was Phil, because I thought he's normally all right. But no, we have nothing against him. It is what it is, and we move on. Yeah, Adam, uh, really, video ref. His man of the match was Jones. Chairman Bob, daft penalties. His man of the match was Louis. Kate Reynolds, too many mistakes. Her man of the match was Weller. Uh, Matt Gridley uh, must do better his man of the match was uh, Louis and Wellen Tony Frame too many penalties his man of the match was Rob Louis and Chris Hawkins rubber the green not his man of the match was Krasniki I suppose when you look at it Paul we didn't really get the rubber the green two disallowed tries 
them go over, game's a different story. Yeah, you, you, sometimes you get that rub of the green, sometimes you don't, do you? So you've got to move on from that and let's hope we get some rub of the green in that semi-final. Yeah. Well, perhaps we've used all our bad luck up now and we'll get all the good luck in the semi, and especially this weekend against Lee. I think one thing for me is, and I know the players are looking forward to Friday against Lee, the semi-finals in the back of their mind, but that league game is not to be taken lightly because you know you'll get burnt if you take that one like that. Who was your man of the match uh, against Castle? <coughs> Excuse me, my man of the match was Jake Bibby. I thought Jake was excellent. I thought he made some great meters going forward, and I think he's really making progress. Jake will probably be the first to admit he's not the quickest winger in the world, but he has got he has got pace. But I don't think he's the, the, I don't think he's quick as nigh levels as he explosively. But the meters that he makes, the work that he does, and his in, his finishing is improving as well. I was impressed with him on Friday. A pressure cooker atmosphere as well. I thought he stood up really well and was unlucky not to get two tries, but the one he did get was excellent. Yeah, so that Salford went down 38 points to 14 against Casper. And now what we'll do, we'll look at all the news coming out of the club this week. So here's the news coming out of Salford Red Devils this week. Big news, Salford have signed Tyrone McCarthy. Paul, you know, good signing for us that. Yeah, certainly is. He's, he's played a lot of games, I think, for Hull KR. He's, he's played for uh, Warrington as well. I say older than that. Warrington as well. He's been in the NRL. He's also uh, made a few appearances for Ireland as well, and he's an international player. So, uh, so yeah, it's an exciting sign, I think. that I think he's a, he's a typical Ian Watson sign. He's a hard-working sort of player, and uh, I think he'll go well for us. And we're low on numbers at the moment as well, and hopefully he's fit and ready to slot straight in. Yeah, I suppose with the injuries mounting up a little bit, Paul, he'll come in the squad. You know, he's got quality. We've watched the videos on YouTube. He's got a good offload as well. Good, powerful runner. You know, he's just the kind of uh, signing we need. He's a hard-working player. I think that's the main thing. He's got good defence as well. And he's the sort of bloke we're going to need in the, in the middle of in the middle, of, in the middle of eights. It's a Super 8. I keep <laughs> saying that. You're not used to that. But yeah, going into the, the Super 8s. Yeah, I think he's a good sign. And obviously, the man who Vatavai signed him as well. You know, he's, I think he's here now. Is he? Did he come on Saturday after New Zealand game? He, he said farewell to everybody there. So, the beast has arrived. So, I think... To be honest with you, I think that's the little injection that we needed because it's like a new season now going into that Super 8 and, uh, and they're good, both good signings and shrewd signings I'd say. Yeah, I think Vatavau's on a plane somewhere between California and here at the moment which is good obviously, you know, hopefully he'll be sleeping at the right time he'll come in fully focused and fired up ready for the game against uh, possibly Lee. Yeah, it's a long way from New Zealand but like we said on the podcast the other week about Kevin Locke he came over and had um, jet lag and he played really well <laughs> so uh, throw him straight in on uh, Friday night. Yeah, obviously, you know, looking forward uh, to that game. You know, we've got tickets for Lee. Uh, the coach journey, coach travel as well. Hopefully, we'll get a few reds down there, Paul. Yeah, I'm sure. It's a good away trip, Lee. Yeah, it's one I always like to enjoy. I mean, we played him on a, a Saturday, the last two games. I think the Challenge Cup game there and, and the, the Middle Eights game last season. So, Friday night, it's pretty easy to get to Lee down straight down the lengths. And uh, I'm sure it's, it's an exciting game. And they've become sort of our rivals, really, aren't they? It's, I wouldn't say it's a, a dad, dad game. If you say dad again, people have a bit of a panic, don't they? So, you've got to be in the same city, but... I'd say Lee is probably our nearest club at the moment, Lee and Warrington. So, yeah, it's always a good atmosphere. Lee's a nice brown as well, Lee Sports Village. And, uh, you know, they've got some good good supporters there at Lee. And I'm, I'm looking forward to an excellent game. Yeah, £23 for adults, uh, £9 for juniors. Uh, there's a coach going down as well. Uh, pick up at Shanders at 5.30, Royal Sovereign at 5.40, Eccles Town Hall at 5.55, the Dog and Partridge at 5 past 6, and the Age Ebel at 6.25, Paul. You know, it's good the club are putting on, uh, you know, transport for the game. Yes, yeah, certainly is, yeah. I mean, sometimes Friday nights, as we've said before, are difficult people to get to, but if, you, if you're local to Salford and you can get down to the stadium or get to one of them pick-up points, coach isn't that expensive, you can get straight there on the coach, so it, it, that's excellent, that, and uh, I'm sure, as you said, we'll take a good following down there, and, and there'll be a great atmosphere on Friday night. Yeah, don't forget the club get 25% of each ticket sold, 
someone to, uh, I think the club told me that it's going to be 50% next year, which is going to be a good earner for the club if all the away fans, Salford fans, go and buy the tickets for the game. Yeah, it certainly is. And I think, you know, if you look at the, the followings of Super League this season, I think we've got one of the best followings of the league. I know we get a lot of stick for attendances and that, but our away following is spot on. I mean, you look at the, the, the amount we took to Warrington on that bank holiday Monday and you know, the games this season, you know, the, the Wigan game away from home, Hull away from home, you know, Friday night, I thought there was a good following there. So, uh, so yeah, we do take a really good loyal following of supporters and, yeah, if he's getting 50% of it, that's going to go in the coffers and uh, be all well, well and good for us. Yeah, talking about ticket sales, nearly sold 4,500 tickets for the semi-final, Paul. You know, it's going to be a, a wall of red, three sides at the, uh, the Halliwell Jones Stadium, red. Oh, yeah, the, the semi-final, we're back on to thinking about that. It's not far away, you know, is it a week on Sunday? It's... Uh, it's fast approaching now and uh, can't wait for it, Rob. And I'm sure we're going to sell more tickets as well. I mean, I think there'll be... I, th I don't know whether there'll be a pay on the day, but you probably get the people walking up on the day as well, won't you, people who've not been for a while. But that's one thing I was thinking about today. I know quite a lot of people from, from years ago who I've not seen at games for ages, and there's particularly there's one person I remember, one of my old school teachers was a, a Salford supporter, you know, similar age to my daddy, who went watching him in the 70s, and I've not seen him at Salford for probably about 15 years now. And I was just thinking today, you know, sat about having a brew, and I was thinking... Is he going to make an appearance at, at that semi-final? So, you know, people like that. So I think it'll be exciting to see who does turn up and uh, you know, see some old faces and it's going to be a really good day. Really could inspire a city, obviously, getting behind us. You know, fans coming out Woodward not been to Seoul for a few years. They want to jump on the, the successful bandwagon that's going to be chugging along for the semi-final. And you're more than ready for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm all for that. I mean, yeah, if you, you go back to the earlier rounds, there was only, what, 1,200 of us there against Toronto. I mean, if we do get to win, we would better say, yeah, we was... We were the ones who were there at that game, but I'm all for bandwagon people. I'm not bothered who goes. I mean, as long as I've got my ticket, I'm not really married. But it's great. The more, the better. You know, the more people that buy into it. As we've said before about Warrington getting to Wembley. I mean, I've said it loads of times to you. They left Wilders Pool, simple crowds to what we're getting now. Got to Wembley, Moose Stadium, had some success there, winning the cup, getting to the big finals. I know we've got to finals before, but we've never got to anything on this magnitude since 1969. So. Uh, Let's get to Wembley. Yeah, unfortunately, a player who won't be getting to Wembley with Salford is James Hassan. He's gone to Wakefield for the rest of the year, Paul. You know, I suppose he, he looked the part, but unfortunately, didn't get much of a chance. Yeah, I think it's a strange one that, you know, obviously Ian's made his decision, but, you know, we've been low on numbers recently, and I think it's a strange decision to get rid of somebody to one of our rival clubs. Whether they'll let him play against Salford in the, in the, the Super 8s, I'm, I'm not too sure, but. I did notice this week that uh, I think Louis Tierney from Wigan has gone to Catalans on loan and also uh, the, the French forward, I can't remember his name, his name escapes me. And I was thinking to myself, why did we go for, for, for those two players, you know, with us being loaned numbers? But I'm presuming that Sean Wayne wouldn't loan them to a, to a side that's going to be playing against them in the Super I'm sure that's, that's why he's going to be in there. So, so yeah, I wish James all the best as long as it's not when he plays against us. But it's unfortunate because we're not really seeing the best of him and we're not seeing much of him at all. Yeah, looking back at the, uh, well, looking forward to the semi final, Paul. Uh, the club are still giving 15% discount for shirts, uh, home shirts. I'm sure, you know, there'll be loads of fans there piling into the, the temporary shop at the AJ Bell Stadium to, you know, pick the gear up for the cup final, semi-final. Yeah, I'm sure they will. And, and don't forget the Reds apparel as well. Andy and the lads on there are doing a great job. And I've ordered myself a 1973-74 shirt to feed myself. Oh. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm waiting for that to come and I'll, I'll probably be wearing that for the semi-final. I like my retro stuff, as you know. Could be a lucky shirt if we come in. Well, I've still got my 1988 scarf, but my dad got me when I first started going, and I still wear that every week. It's still got Bob Rose stains on it. My missus always says to me, because I've got a couple of new scarves, but she always says to me, why are you still wearing that old scarf? <laughs> I said, it's lucky. 
she's been at three semi-finals this before we've lost all of them so I think the, look, the look's got to start somewhere hasn't it? but that, that sounds a bit of a tradition as well yeah talking about uh, buying stuff Paul uh, the new rugby league game is out on the, the Xbox uh, Salford have um, got the opportunity to put a player on the front cover um, it's great obviously we like rugby league we like computer games it uh, could be a good thing for us this yeah it sounds exciting I have seen a bit of it on, on Facebook but me I'm not really a big computer game person really. my missus got me an Xbox for uh, Christmas last year and I got a rugby league game with it and I've only played on it once <laughs> so I played Swinton in a friendly game and I had a power cut I was losing 6 films, so I think it was like a bit of divine intervention there God pulling the plug but, uh, <laughs> but yeah it sounds good to me it sounds exciting and from what I've seen of it, it looks, it looks really good, so I might have to have another look at that. Yeah, the club are running a poll at the moment on the Twitter who they want on the, the cover. You can have uh, Gaz O'Brien, George Griffin, Ben Bernard Masala, or Rob Lewis. Um, who do you think you'd reckon they'll sell more copies for? Well, I was just thinking then, I think Ben Bernard Masala will have like, the most percentage. And I, look, I glanced at your, your stats and he's 53%, and I would have thought the season that Ben's had, you, you've got to go with him really, haven't you? Yeah, obviously, anyone listening to our... Uh, RL Live UK you know we'd really like a game wouldn't we Paul D1 that'd be nice wouldn't it yeah we'd plug it on the podcast for you anyway yeah yeah, give us a game and we'll, uh, we'll give you all the advertising you want yeah so obviously that was all the uh, the news coming out from Sulphur Red Devils this week um, also uh, looking outside of the uh, Sulphur Red Devils bubble Swinton Lions uh, have been having a bit of trouble at the moment Paul we certainly have yeah we just uh, give Swinton a mention because I know a lot of Sulphur supporters went down there on, on Sunday didn't they for their game against Houston they got a good crowd as well at I don't know what their average gate is this season, but they've got over a thousand for that game and they're in desperate trouble at the moment. The chairman's gone, uh, the coach has gone today, John Duffy's left and gone to Featherstone. But some good news regarding Stuart Littler, he's got the job as the new Swinton coach, so I'm really pleased for Stuart. We all remember him at Salford, you know, Starwatt for Salford, Swinton, Lee as well. And big hero of ours, Stuart, really. He never took a backward step in a Salford shirt, and I'm sure he'll do Swinton proud. And there's some good people there at Swinton Lions who are doing a good job, particularly like the guys like Alan Marshall, Stephen Wilde don't know these guys personally but I've spoke to them on Facebook before and I know Stephen's done a great job wrote books he's got a new book out at the moment 150 years of the Lions so if you can give Swinton some money and buy a copy of that book it's a fantastic book I've got one it's got the heritage numbers in there and uh, my uncle's in there so you know it covers all the all the, the old greats of Swinton and it's a great read so it's, there's a lot of auctions going on as well on the Facebook there's all sorts of people doing uh, great jobs I know Don Preston's daughters are on there doing you know the great Don Preston doing uh, some great stuff on there his daughters raising money and um, yeah, if you can help Swinton Lions out, get to some of their games, I'm going to try and get down to the home game. I was going to try and go on Sunday, but I was working, I couldn't get out of my work, so uh, I'm trying to get down there. And you know, we, we don't want to see Swinton die, do we, Rob? No. They're a great club, you know, proud club, and you know, it's been special. Every time we play them, it's always a special game, and it's a, it's a rival, we don't really like them, do we mm-hmm. play them? But it's a, fr- it's a friendly rivalry, and there's a lot of people, you'll know people from Swinton, won't you? And, uh, I just wish them all the best and just hope they survive. Yeah, I suppose it's a lot of history in there between Salford and Swinton yeah. through the years, Paul. And, you know, obviously they've gone on hard times. You could trace it back from when they left Station Road in a way. Uh, but, you know, hopefully lots of Reds will get involved and, you know, hopefully save that great club. Um, we don't really want them to go to the wall. We were in that situation, weren't we, a few years ago before Mark Marwan took over and the rugby league community kind of got together and, and sort of bailed us out and hopefully more of the same for Swinton yeah certainly they're, they're a power club they won the league I think six times haven't they the, the Challenge Cup and, and things like that they had a great side in the 60s and 
you know, it, it'd be a shame to, to see it. Well, yeah, yeah, breaking, wouldn't it, to, to see him go? So I just thought that it's, it's just that's the way the game goes at the moment. The money and things like that. I mean, they don't get big crowds, and it must be a struggle to keep teams afloat. I think there's other teams that are in that boat as well, aren't they? We've seen teams like Oldham drop down, and you know, York City Knights were in a lot of trouble last season, and they've managed to keep going. So, so yeah, I wish them all the best, and we'll be doing anything on here. And, you know, any of the guys from Swinton want anything plugging on the podcast, you've only got to get in touch with me or Robin, and we'll we'll give you a mention or anything you want to advertise. And even though we're staunch for supporters, we we think a lot of you as well. Yeah, two. Uh podcast radio shows look forward to Paul uh, we spoke to Mike Lathan um, last week uh, about Salford and, and Lee and that'll be a great listen hopefully trying to get that out on Friday yeah it's a big file because it's like an hour long it is a big it's been hard work hasn't it so <laughs> I transfer it over but yeah it was a great it was great to meet Mike wasn't it and let's just have it right Mike was, was very generous with us wasn't he? he gave us a number of his books didn't he to, to read he was very kind to us and uh, made a fantastic cup of tea yeah. and uh, we spent a few hours with him didn't we at his offices and what a lovely man, he had great knowledge of rugby league, he's a real ambassador for the sport Mike, I think he does a great job at Lee, he's, he's a rugby league historian there, he's, he's their media man, he's, he's wrote all sorts of books, his, his knowledge is incredible really, but not so much his knowledge, his passion, yeah. his passion for the game, it's just great to speak to him and you can see it in his eyes, can't you, how he loves Lee and he loves rugby league as well, so, so if you get a chance to listen to that, it's uh, you know, Mike Laven's a lovely bloke. Yeah, and also on Radio Contact, I do a show called Bobby's Magic Music Hour, and next week, uh, it's a Salford special building up to the semi-final uh, I've got all the hits in the mix to make your hands clap and your feet tap with the Salford twist so you can find it we'll put a link out on the, on the Twitter and the Facebook it's on Thursday at 9 till 10 and 7 till 8 on a Saturday so perfect opportunity to build up to the, to the game uh, on Sunday Paul yeah, certainly. What, what sort of tunes are going in that, Rob? Do we know? We so, it's, all, it's all got a Salford mix to it uh, a lot of old and new kind of Salford uh, theme songs really the Vikings the Vikings we'll is that in get, there we'll yeah, try and get yeah. that one in yeah uh, Country Roads um, all kind of songs like that you know things that you know gives you a bit of upbeat, upbeat buzz ready for the, the semi-final uh, on the Sunday so that was all the news uh, coming out from the Devil in the Detail podcast and what we'll do now we'll look at what our amateur sides did uh, in this week with Paul and then look forward to the game against Lee on Friday <laughs> Right, well, I'll start this week's amateur report by talking about Salford uh, City Roosters. There was no games for Mayfield in the National Conference Premier Division this week, so our main focus is the, the Roosters. They went down again by 30 points to 12 at home to Wigan St. Jude's. It was no mean feat that against against Wigan St. Jude's, who are second in the table. They've only lost three out of 14 games, so they really are a, on a good run and two points behind the Ulton Raiders at the top of the league. So there's no, uh, no disgrace in that at all from a, a much improved Salford City Roosters side, who I'm sure it won't be long before they get a victory. They're two tries came from Tom Pratt and Joe Connor and Alex Edwards also came up with the uh, with the conversion so uh, so good luck next week to Salford City Roosters they'll take on uh, let's have a look they're taking on Thornhill Trojans next week away from home so we wish them all the best in that Thornhill Trojans are currently uh, fourth in Division 2 so another tough away trip but I'm sure there's a victory just round the corner for the Roosters in Division 3 Oldham St. Anne's had a good win they beat Dewsbury Celtic by 52 points to nil Waterhead Warriors went down by 44 points to 24 in Division 3 as well 
It was the Rugby Football League's Challenge Trophy quarterfinals on Saturday, and these are the scores. There was a Yorkshire derby between East Leeds and Hunslet Club Parkside. That finished East Leeds 14, Hunslet Club Parkside 36. Milford Marlins 38, Intros Bridge 10. West Hull 30, Thatto Heath Crusaders 28. Thatto Heath Crusaders with 22 points to 6 up at half time in that game. West Hull with a storming comeback. And finally, Wigan St. Patrick's beat our local side, Saddleworth Rangers, by 32 points to 16 to go into the last four. So the fixtures for this Saturday are as follows. In the Premier Division, it's Wigan St. Patrick's against Rochdale Mayfield. In Division 2, Saddleworth Rangers against Drillington and Thornhill Trojans against Salford City Roosters. In Division 3, Oldham St. Anne's take on Elland and Stanningley play Waterhead Warriors. Right, moving on to the North West Men's League. It was the North West Men's League Trophy semi-finals on Saturday. Leyland Warriors 6, Oldham St. Anne's A44, Widnes Tigers 24, Wigan St. Cuthbert 32. So Oldham St. Anne's progressing through to the final there. In Division 4, it was another good win for Langworthy Reds. They beat Runcorn by 44 points to 32. In Division 1, sorry, these are the fixtures now. That they're the only results I've got. The fixtures for this Saturday, the 22nd of July. Division 1, Bamber Bridge play Folly Lane. Division 2, Manchester Rangers play Charlie Panthers. Witness Tigers play Rochdale Mayfield A. Division 3 is Burton Woodbridge against Rochdale Cobras. Wigan St. Cuthbert's against Fitton Hill Bulldogs. Wigan Bulldogs play Oldham St. Anne's A. And in Division 4, it's Manchester Rangers A against the Kulchef Eagles. Little Hulton Reds play Wollstone Rovers A. Runcorn play Caddy's Head Rhinos. Langworthy Reds play Ryland Sharks A. And West Hot and Lions play Oral St. James A. Finally, in Division 5, Berry Broncos A play the Garswood Stags. Clockface Miners A play Bolton Mets and Saddleworth Rangers A play the Halton Farnworth Hornets A. Well, as I spoke about last week, it was the Armed Forces uh, World Cup. I've got the rest of the fixtures for you now. I'll start with the games that were the, on the 7th of July, just to recap. It was Australia 64, New Zealand 8, Fiji 40, UK Armed Forces 20. On the 9th of July, there was more group games between Australia and UK Armed Forces. That one finished Australia 38, UK Armed Forces 12, Fiji 40, New Zealand 6. And on Wednesday, the 12th of July... Australia beat Fiji 38-24. The UK Armed Force had a great win. They beat New Zealand by 40 points to 30. So in the third and fourth playoff, UK Armed Forces beat New Zealand by 36 points to 18 to come third. And in the final at Pepper Stadium on Sunday, the 16th of July, Fiji beat Australia by 44 points to 12 to claim the Armed Forces World Cup. In the Student World Cup, I'll give you the, the scores from that from last week just to recap like I did with the uh, with the other one. It's on the 7th of July, Group A, Pacific Islands 48, Ireland 4. Group B was Scotland 48, Wales 18. In a cross-group match, it was Australia beating England 54-10. On the Sunday the 9th of July, Group A, it was Australia 68, Pacific Islands 16. Group B, Wales 4, England 22. And the cross-group game was Ireland 24, Scotland 38. And last Wednesday, the 12th of July, Group A, Australia beat Ireland 46-8 Group B England beat Scotland 30 points to 20 and in the cross group it was Pacific Islands 40 Wales 12 the semi-final games Australia beat England by 48 points to 18 and the Pacific Islands beat Scotland 44-12 so in the 5th v 6 playoff it was Wales 28 Ireland 18 and the final which took place at Pepper Stadium also it was Australia who won the Student World Cup they beat the Pacific Islands by 30 points to 12 well, finally this week, I'll give you the details of the Northwest Youth Leagues. There's not as much action as normal, but I'll give you the results that I do have. So these games are played on Sunday, and we'll start with the under-16s, Division 1, Saddleworth 24, Caddy's Head 14. In the under-13s, it was Oral St. James 
nil. Waterhead Warriors 38, that was in the Premier Division. In Division 1, Ashton Bears Blacks 8, Oldham St. Anne's 28. Newton Storm 14, Rochdale Mayfield 14. In Division 2, another great win for Langworthy Reds under 13s. They beat Latchford Giants away from home by 30 points to nil. Saddleworth Rangers 10, Charlie Panthers 30. And in Division 3 of the under 13s, it was Leyland Warriors 12, Bellevue Bees 44, South Trafford Raiders 40, Ashton Bears Golds 8. The fixtures for this week, these games will all be played on Sunday the 23rd of July. In Division 1 of the under 18s, it's Charlotte against Saddleworth and Watthead against Lee East. In the under 17s, Telford play Salford City Roosters in the Premier Division and in the under 16s Division 1 it's Caddy's Head versus Waterhead, Dalton versus Saddleworth, Hindley versus Oldham St Anne's and finally in Division 2 of the under 16s it's Blackpool against Rochdale, South Trafford against Folly Lane. The under 13s league is now closed for the summer holidays so they'll be back in action later on in the year. That's it, that's all I've got for you this week. I'll uh, catch you at Lee on Friday. Four hours a day. Radio Contact. It's time for the Devil of the Deep Salford Red Devils take on Lee Centurions on Friday night, Paul. You know, it's going to be a big game for both sides. It certainly is. It's certainly big for us. You know, we want to get back on the horse, don't we, and get a victory going into the, the semi-final. We've had two games against Lee this season. The Good Friday game, a 12-6 win at Salford, a real tough arm wrestle, and the game at Magic, which could have gone either way. They're a tough side, Lee. They've had some good wins this season, and you know what you're going to get when you go to the Lee Sports Field. You're going to have a tough... Uh, Tough game, and I'm expecting a real hard one on Friday night. Yeah, Salford obviously going to be preparing uh, for the semi-final, Gaz, but Lee have got the, the mid-late to look forward to as well. It's, in, it's got to be both sides' priorities, putting a big performance on uh, Friday. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a big game for like, the, the kind of differing reasons that you've just mentioned. Obviously, with the semi-final, Salford will be looking to get a bit of form, but you know, Lee are desperate for a bit of consistency, and they're going, you know, getting thrown back into that cutthroat environment of the qualifiers that, that they, they know all about, and I, and I think they will. They need to get some form, really. Then they, they've struggled. They, they have had a couple of great wins thrown in amongst a lot of defeats. And they won at home and, and beat Wigan at home in fine style. But apart from that, you know, they've been uh, struggling at times. And, and Neil Dukes have been a bit disappointed with elements of their performances. So big game for both clubs and, and an interesting one, I think. Where do you think it's gone wrong uh, for Lee this season, Gallup? I mean, they, they do seem to have a big squad, don't they? When you look at the the players that they've got available, they brought players in. They, you know, there's some big names in there, but. For one reason or other, they had some good wins, beating Wigan, winning away at Hull, but they, they found it struggle, haven't they, to, to come to that consistency of Super League? Yeah, they have, I think, a couple of things. Um, I think Mickey Hyam's massive for them, so he's missed quite a large chunk, um, and every time I see Lee, um, they're a lot better side when Mickey Hyam is on the field. So I think his absence, I think he came back last weekend, and um, has, has been a real miss for them. He's probably you know one of the most key players in the competition in terms of how influential he is for their team. Um, and the other issue I think they've had is at halfback. You know, they've not properly settled on one combination all year. Josh Drinkwater has been in there for the most part, but he's had a, a few different partners, whether it be Reynolds or, or Ridyard, which is a real strange one because he's gone to Huddersfield and helped inspire their revival. Uh, they've now got Daniel Morton in, haven't they? So I think they're hoping that he can bring a, a bit of a settled partnership with Drinkwater at halfback and, and perhaps get the best out of the players around them. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting team selection, Paul, obviously, Ian Watson with the one eye on the semi-final. Do you reckon he'll let rest a few, do you think? Yeah, I've heard people on social media going on about us resting people. We've not got the biggest squad, Rob. We've got no under-19s, we've got no reserve team. So we've basically got a, a thin squad at, at the best of times, and we've had quite a few injuries of late. So I can't see him being able to rest people because you, you have to go with what you've got. Um, I think it'd be foolish to rest people as well. Obviously, those players there now are, are playing for a place in that semi-final. People are challenging for spots, and you know they want to go into that semi-final. Like Gareth says, they're on, on a on a win. Yeah, I suppose it's man management, really, Gaz. Obviously, you know with the cup, the semi-final coming up, does Ian Watson, you know, rest a couple of his stars so they don't get injured against Lee, uh, or does he, you know, play them and, and run the risk? Yeah, I'd be surprised if he rested too many. To be honest, I think we shouldn't forget as well, should we? That the the, the top four is right on the line at the moment with results in, in recent weeks and then St. Helens picking up and, and Wigan to a, to a lesser extent really and Hull dropping off it's become really close hasn't it they've got the table in front of me there you know Salford third 26 Wakefield fourth 26 Hull then 25 Saints 23 you're not over exaggerating it to say this this game against Lee could end up being crucial for Salford in that top four bid so I'd, I'd be surprised if they rest any both in terms of form and, and just because they they could do with that win to, to keep up where they are at the moment and, and to keep the chasing pack that a little bit further. Yeah, um, obviously, you know, like you said, the chasing pack's coming. You know, Salford's farm is differing a bit, Gaz. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll use this game as a catapult, you know, to bigger and better things in the next few weeks. Yeah, and I think quite telling has been, uh, just from a media point of view, and Ian Watson after games hasn't seemed to be panicky at all. You know, it, as he said, most people expected Salford to have a dip. You expect nearly every team to have a dip, and they do do at some point in the season. And I think you're far better off having a coach who's got that kind of calm, relaxed manner. Um, you know, not pressing panic buttons, criticising players. There's been none of that whatsoever coming out of the Salford camp. And I think that'll serve them well. You know, every team's likely to have a dip at some point. It's how they come out of that now. And, and I'm sure Ian will be keen for that to start this weekend. Just going back to the middle eight, obviously Leah can sign to that now with Warrington and, and Catalans as well, uh, and Witness. How do you see that panning out this season? I mean, I, I looking at the, the championship, I don't think those sides in there are quite as strong as, as maybe they could be. I mean, Hulk are probably going to be the, the favourites to, to do well in that. Who, who do you see in that million pound game? Um, it's a real tough one at the moment. I mean, Hulk are without doubt the strongest championship team from what I've seen, and, and I speak to the championship coaches regularly. Um, I don't think they've been playing great for a few weeks now. They lost to Toulouse at weekend, but I'm not sure that how kind of indicative that is of, of what they're going to do when they get in the qualifiers. Because I think they've been looking towards this all year. They've, they've virtually known they were going to finish top from the first ten weeks or so, um, and I think you'll see a different OKR in, in the qualifiers than we have done in, in the league in the last few weeks. Now beyond them, I think the big thing this year is there's a couple of real unknowns in there. So you've got London Broncos. Who were definitely better placed to, to kind of compete than they were last year when obviously they beat Salford. You guys will know that they're a dangerous opponent anyway. I think they're a better side. Um, and then we find out this weekend whether Halifax or Toulouse will be in there. Now, again, Toulouse have dropped off a bit because their star man Jonathan Ford's been missing. But if, if they can sneak in this weekend, and, and it all depends on the last two games, they play Feb and Halifax play Hull KR, then they're a real unknown, you know, you could, and you could be travelling in theory to Catalans, Toulouse and London as a Super League club. So uh, while maybe the Championship clubs aren't as strong as Lee were last year, I think there's more unknowns in, in it this time. And, and Featherston just got a new coach this week in John Duffy there, another unknown. So I think there's a lot to be interested in, and I think there's a lot of danger and, and potential tripwires for the Super League clubs there. 
Yeah, so Paul, prediction time. What do you reckon uh, Friday? Have you written it down yet? Yeah. I've wrote mine on my League Express as usual. Uh, on Friday night, I've gone for Lease Insurance 12, Salford 22, a real tight game and a bit of an arm wrestle, and I've gone for 22 12. What do you think, Gaz? What do you reckon Friday? Yeah, I wouldn't go too far away from that. I was going to say Salford by 12 or 14. Um, I'm not the world's greatest tipster, it has to be uh, said. Um, but I, I don't expect any blowouts or anything <laughs> like that because I think both teams will be really keen to to build for the, for what's coming in front of them in the semi-final and the qualifiers in Lee's case. Yeah, I'm not going to be bingo balls today, unfortunately, so I'm going to have to go with a guess. So I'm going to go Lee, 10, Salford, 36. 36, 10? I think it's very similar every week, your predictions. Always got th- I think it was 35, 10 last week. Yeah, yeah. these predictions a bit, though. Yeah, there is that. But I suppose, you know, you got to hope that they, you know, they win, win against Lee on Friday and that kickstarts the, you know, the... the Charge for the semi-final and on to the, the Super 8. Just going on to Friday night, Rob, where do you see the halfbacks on Friday? I mean, it's been a bit of a toss-up between Carney, Louis, Dobson. Mm. Obviously, it was Carney and uh, Dobson on Friday night at Castleford, Robert Louis on the bench. Where, where would you go on that one? Well, I suppose with Brian, in, you know, possibly being injured, you've got a half, you've got a hooker role as well, you've got to think about as well. Rob Louis played against Castleford in the hooking uh, role and, you know, he did a good job, but William Watson go for that again. I suppose he's limited with options. With he's got Wood who could come in as well and do a, do a good job. Um, Carney and Dobson as your halfbacks might be the way to go. Especially both players, you know, big game players. Gaz, they've been there, they've done it, and you want you know consistency, don't you? Yeah, it's not a bad option to have, is it? When you talk about those different kind of players, and I think that just kind of illustrates how far Salford have come when you're talking about which of those two of the three half-backs should start there it's kind of been a problem not a problem but a conundrum for Salford all year and it's a marker of, of where, they've, where they've come to I think it's a, it's a pretty good sign out of the Challenge Cup semi-final yeah so that's the end of this week's Devil Under the Hotel podcast big thanks for coming on this week's uh, podcast Gaz no worries I've really enjoyed it fellas thanks very much and as again Paul another great show yeah, great show. Great to speak to Gaz as well. It's great getting a journalist, you know, eye on things, you know, and being a top journalist at the Daily Mirror. Thanks very much for coming on, Gaz. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, big oh. thanks for coming on to this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I've been Rob Parkinson. You can find us on Facebook, Devil in the Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter, at DITD SRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Radio Contact. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Contact.